Hello there, and welcome to Fuzz on Film. I'm Drew, joined today by Scott. Hello there. And this is our January 2022 intermission episode. Super short one for you uh, this month. Only two films, so we'll be out of your ears soon. So... I guess that's good, but if you think that's good, you should like, look. I'm not going to overthink that because that might not be good for my self-esteem. Let's uh, just crack on, Scott. Don't look up. Yes, uh, don't look up. In which Jennifer Lawrence's Kate DiBiaschi and Leonardo DiCaprio's Doctor Randall Mindy are excited to be the first to discover a massive new comet, which uh, quickly turns to abject terror once they calculate its trajectory and discover it's heading straight for us. So it's essentially a remake of Deep Impact. Uh, the difference, of course, is while Deep Impact went on to discuss serious people preparing seriously for the serious event, Don't Look Up is set in our current era of weaponized idiocy, and so their warnings that the planet is about to be pulverized in a mere six months is treated with mild interest at best, bumped on the new schedule by the latest pop star Gossip. Meryl Streep's Jenny Orlean, the USA president, and unholy combination of Donald Trump and Sarah Palin, is similarly unfussed about this, opting for a wait-and-see strategy, at least until a suitably stupid scandal means that a diversion is needed and a mission to explode the comet is launched, only to be aborted when a billionaire tech baron, Mark Rylance's Peter Isherwell, convinces Orlean to instead allow his company's wild scheme to break it into smaller chunks in order to land it safely in the US and mine the precious minerals it's composed of. This goes as well as you might expect. Uh, While all this is unfolding, Dr Mindy finds himself becoming the government's face for comet communications, a slowly boiling frog in the increasing outlandishness of the well, first the refusal to act, and then the wildly unconvincing response to it. Kate rather quickly recognises the inadequacy of the response and tries to raise an appropriate level of alarm, only to be mocked and proverbially run out of town. Although once Dr Mindy regains his critical faculties, they have something of a reconciliation, agitating for action, while the opposing forces deny there's even a comet out there, urging people to think positively and don't look up. Boom, title drop. It is, much like writer-director Adam McKay's prior work, The Big Short, a satire of little subtlety. Now, in this instance, the hammer-like nature of this is very much the point. Uh, the film itself being a satire of the cloth-eared, lead-footed response to a planet tearing itself apart in a bit to remove us pesky humans. Uh, a film that is basically the embodiment of Jennifer Lawrence's character here. However, that being the point of the film doesn't excuse... Well, the point of the film, and this does quickly feel like it's repeating itself over and over. Not necessarily a problem if it remains funny, but sadly it doesn't. I mean, it has its moments, but this is a comedy that's well north of two hours and is at least three quarters of an hour too long. And really... That's my main issue with the film. Sadly, it's a pretty critical one. Uh, there's a fair amount in the theoretical positive column from a batch of solid turns from a star-studded cast and the production design, which is lavish and on point, and I need a lot of it is more believable than I would wish. But, well, the bottom line is that it's a comedy that's not funny enough, no matter what your politics are. Indifferent out of five. Yes, or, as far as I'm concerned, a comedy that's not in any way funny. Mm. Um, the work couple of moments where I laughed a little, I can't remember now what they were, and one point that I got a genuine laugh when I found out what exactly a Bronto Rock is yeah. <laughs> and that was it for the entire film, this is I mean I know you're suggesting Scott that it's supposed to be this kind of on the nose but it's, it is the least clever satire that I've seen I think Yes, barely qualifies for the title, really. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Um, also, it's it's not a satire. I mean, again, possibly the point and the sad thing about it, it's not a satire. 90% of it is the year 2020 that someone's run a find and replace on. 
<laughs> and frankly, it's too soon. 2020 <laughs> was an absolute bloody misery living through it. Um, and watching this film was just an absolute bloody misery again. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, they don't, they're not even trying to code the characters. That's why it's a fine and replace job. It's just the same things with just different words. Um, <laughs> yeah. Even to the point of, and there are some good performances in it. I like Leonardo DiCaprio. Somehow I'm still not buying him having grown up children. <laughs> he doesn't look old enough. Uh, there's a man aging well. Jennifer Lawrence, who I often don't like. I find her, I think I may have mentioned this before, I quite often find her like, quite unlikable, quite a, a nippy sweetie, as the Scottish <laughs> phrase um, seems appropriate. In this film, it worked. It worked mm. for that character um, yeah. and her incredulity and and whatnot. So that was great. I did like her in this. Uh, DiCaprio's pretty decent and... I like Jonah Hill, but he does do a disconcertingly good turn of sleazy, spectacularly insincere um, people, <laughs> but again, fits for this role, yeah. and who's definitely not Don Jr., yeah. with a definite not reference to the cocaine habit that Don Jr. definitely doesn't have, Scott. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, the, the rest of it's just so on the nose, and it's, again, so <laughs> the whole like reliving that right after is miserable. It's just not funny. That's my biggest problem with it. That and it goes on forever. I don't know what's going on with, with Mark Rylance. That's a weird performance. It's a weird character. It's like Mark Zuckerberg stuck inside Tim Cook's body, I guess. Yeah. Except it doesn't work because they feel like they're making fun of Apple executives and th- things at such a point. But if like... The one thing Apple executives are not are is lacking in self confidence or the ability to communicate. Yeah, <laughs> um, the Mark Zuckerberg works. Um, there are probably elements of Elon Musk in there, but again, the personality doesn't match up. So it's I don't know. It's like it's misunderstood to people. It's trying to make fun of. And it doesn't quite work. Mm. Uh, but it's just it's a strange performance. I don't know if I think it's bad. I think the problem's more in the writing. It's just a weird character. And I get the points around it. And again, there's nothing subtle in this film at all. Uh, I just find that that role quite oddly portrayed. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a strangely written one. It's um, you know, particularly, as you say, all, like all the rest of the analogues have lots of quotation marks around them. They're basically the same character. That one in particular is kind of weird. It's like they needed a, a general purpose tech baron and there's not one company that would be able to do everything that this company bash or whatever it's called and and it actually could do so they've just taken a whole bunch of characters threw them in a blender and <laughs> handed it to Mark Lyons and go here make something of this and he's <laughs> just chosen to give it a kind of weirdly almost ethereal <laughs> performance that is even in a film that is not particularly well connected with reality um, he seems adrift from most of it as well so uh, yeah strange yeah yeah, ethereal is a very, very good word to describe it. It's, it is the oddest. Problems. And again, I don't know if that's acting choice or if it's the writing. I suspect it's the writing, but yeah, it's um, yeah, that's weird. It doesn't because yeah, the the rest of them are just yeah, they are the people. Um, yes, <laughs> and because Meryl Streep, um, who is quite clearly Scooby Coo. <laughs> so, uh, before, but. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but 
on the late show with Stephen Colbert, he decided to just um, refuse to ever use Donald Trump's name anymore. <laughs> so he solicited a lot of names on Twitter for the late show for like most of last year with the hashtag he who shall be named. <laughs> and a lot of them are really naff, but there are some really good ones. And I was like, um, I decided that this film is making me want to do see them instead, instead of actually referring to Donald Trump. I kept forgetting what the good ones were. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to mention this because they're funny. Uh, not actually related to the film, but I mean, like I said, it was, it was Scooby Coo, Voldemoron, <laughs> Mara Lardo. <laughs> I like that one. That's good. Dolt 45, <laughs> Hair Farce 1, <laughs> The Fraud Father, <laughs> Jack Asshole Lantern, and Old Wack Donald. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah there, there's no Saturday. That's who that is. But yeah. I didn't actually think it was Sarah Palin, but there's probably a bit of that. That seems reasonable enough, Scott. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just such an unsubtle film, and I'm like, I don't think it really achieved much. Like, good satire, kind of, you know, has a point. Mm. Or kind of really kind of lambasts or lampoons people. And this one, it's like, uh, yeah, but it's just, it, it's the news. Which is, you know, <laughs> depressing in itself. Yeah. Um, you can't get comedy out of it because it's, we've gone so, so far beyond that now that it's kind of almost impossible to make fun of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you parody that? <laughs> yeah, I think that's been the problem that well, a lot of late night hosts have had uh, over the last four years or something of his, his reign. And uh, yeah, it it just needed to be a lot shorter and kind of funnier. Um, it. It did seem to be repeating itself a lot of the time. I think there's, there's, this could be made to work um, without, I think, all that much in the way of changing it. But it just needed to be a bit more focused. Is it, is it actually going to be about politics, or is it actually going to be about tech, or is it actually going to be about the media? Um, whereas what you've got at the minute is something that is kind of scattershotly trying to parody and satire all, a, a number of axes and not really doing any of it in any yeah. particular really great way. So yeah, it, it kind of lost its, uh, it lost any kind of bite or edge that it could have had. And uh, But yeah, ultimately, just not enough laughs in it for two hours and two and a quarter hours, two hours, 20, whatever the hell it is. It's, it's a long film and it felt it. Yeah, two and a half hours, yeah. It's... Um there's even like there's wee bits which sort of work as a as a joke on themselves, and it, you can maybe say it's like suggests like the corruption of the people that were put in that White House, but um, the general charged them for the snacks. Yeah, <laughs> that that works as a kind of like you know that son of a bitch. There's like how corrupt everybody in that administration is. Yeah, but then it keeps getting brought up. Um, yeah, and it's not particularly funny. Um, I mean, it's not out of place for the character that she would kind of stick on. Like, why would he do that? Yeah, it's not funny enough, and it's just kind of it sort of goes nowhere. Yeah, yeah. What a pity. Um, yeah, I've not had a lot of luck with um, Adam McKay's um, films. Actually, I didn't like the Big Shot. Remember that was like so talked up at the time. I'm like, eh? really? Didn't like Vice at all. Although I did want to revisit that, um, and this is just garbage. I don't think he's a good satirist, which is weird for someone whose career is now satire, apparently. Yeah. I demand the Armando Iannucci <laughs> version. <laughs> trying to think, what's he, he has, he's done films that I liked, but it was a long time ago. Um, he did, um, did he do Talladega Nights? I like his comedy right. stuff more. Yeah, yeah. Because he's, he's written and 
written an awful lot of things. Was he directed? Yeah, Anchorman, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, the other guys. It's not stuff Will Ferrell, but Will Ferrell's still funny. Yes. Which is a, <laughs> you know, a while ago. Yeah. Um, and did some writing in Ant-Man. But, uh, but yeah, his, his later career's not... Probably worthier films in some axes, but yeah, they're definitely not as funny or as good. Um, I didn't mind Vice as much as Judas, even despite yes, the subject matter. That, but yeah, um, yeah I wouldn't go to bat. It's not a hill we'd die on. Yeah, I mean, at least you could parody um, George W. and Dick Cheney. Um, the Trump is just so far beyond that. He, yeah. he, he is a walking parody. So how you can't do it externally? Yes. <laughs> um, is, you know, comes with its own problems. <laughs> yeah, certainly not a recommendation on that one from me or you by the sound of it. No, not really. Um, instead then, let's move onwards to The Matrix Resurrections. Now, I hope you will excuse the following as not my best work. It's been a hard week and I only watched the film about an hour ago. But I have thoughts. Yes, <laughs> indeedy, Thoughts. 1999 saw the release of The Matrix, a hugely derivative, but yet hugely influential and hugely enjoyable action movie. Should have left it at that, really. (laughs) It had some interesting notions of the nature of reality, in particular with its references to Jean Baudrillard's book Simulacra and Simulation, and a bunch of other similar things littered throughout. None of it was more than surface level, however much other people might have pretended otherwise. But that was fine, and it all fitted well into the film's conceit of living in a dream world indistinguishable from reality. Then came the sequels, Reloaded and Revolutions, which I've seen described as going hard into the philosophical stuff. Something that, like the Oracle's prediction for Neil, really baked my noodle, as <laughs> while that stuff may be there if you're looking for it, as far as I'm concerned, it's mostly completely uh, abandoned for crappy action, ugly effects, and hokey fortune cookie level philosophy like you do not truly know someone until you fight them. Oh, and they were tremendously boring, which is of course the bigger crime. Now, a mere 18 years later, we have another sequel, bringing down the total percentage of good Matrix films to around 25%. Yay! It actually starts off reasonally promisingly. Keanu Reeves' Neo is not dead. He and Carrie Ann Moss's Trinity have been brought back to life by the machines for some inadequately explained reason. Something, something happier, more productive human battery something. <laughs> and is living within a new version of the Matrix working as a video game developer. His therapist, Neil Patrick Harris, is helping him to deal with his anxiety, depression and his continuing delusions that he's living inside of a computer-generated dream world in the thrall of sentient machines. These delusions the therapist attributes to Neo's, or Thomas's, extremely successful video game trilogy, The Matrix, in which a character called Neo is living within a computer-generated dream world in the thrall of sentient machines. And that idea grabbed me, actually. It fitted the series' main conceit extremely well. It was potentially interesting. It tied back to simulacra and simulation and the like. And then the film winked. It winked so hard I winced. And it never stopped winking. <laughs> Neil's boss wants him to make a sequel to his game. Our beloved parent company, Warner Brothers, has decided that he'll make a sequel to the trilogy with or without us, he tells him. Oh. Oh, you're going to be like that. No. 
I love that meta stuff in, for example, Joe Dante's Gremlins 2, the new batch. It worked in Gremlins 2. In The Matrix Resurrections, I hated it and it never stops. I might have warmed to that though, if the whole film had been in the same vein, but it's not. It stops for an hour or more to have an incredibly tedious real world plot where Trinity has to be rescued with dull characters and pretty mediocre action. There's no spark. There's also Agent Smith for a reason who wants a thing. I have no idea what, but you know what? I'm sure it's a jolly important thing (laughs) and not a nebulous, poorly explained plot contrivance. Quite certain. Of course, it's not Agent Smith because it's not Hugo Weaving. Weaving's antagonist was so distinctive, so charismatic, so entertaining in The Matrix. Here, what is supposedly a version of the same character is played by someone operating on a sub-Dennis Quaid level of (laughs) non-charisma. It's rather depressingly bland. That recasting of sorts is something of a theme, actually. Lawrence Fishburne's role is sort of, kind of, maybe reprised by Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. And he's decent enough, but he's no Fishburne. And his character is written to, seemingly, entirely ridicule the first film in the franchise, which is a weird move. Jada Pinkett Smith isn't recast, but may as well have been. So little resemblance and performance does she have to her character in the first two sequels. And in perhaps the strangest move of all, though potentially a meta one, a song has been effectively recast. A cover version of Rage Against the Machine's Wake Up, which notably ended the first film, is used as the credits begin here, in the way of many covers, and a way I've never ever seen the point of, it is performed in the same style as the original. Only worse. Much, much worse. <laughs> yes. It is it is probably the worst thing since that criminally bad cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit from Black Widow, <laughs> which may be the actual worst thing. But, you know, it's not far off of it. On the upside, series newcomer Jessica Hennick is pretty good as the Trinity-like bugs. Um... That's it. <laughs> well, that's a little unfair. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss is actually quite underserved by this film, but she's um, likable enough. Keanu Reeves, the most part, is pretty enjoyable. Actually, um, found myself feeling quite a lot of sympathy for him in his early scenes when he feels really anguished and not yeah. understand um, whether what he seems reality or not. But beyond that, no. I mean. The Matrix Resurrections is more entertaining than Revolution, certainly, and maybe better than Reloaded, though in my recent rewatch I had a higher opinion of that than I did previously. But it's largely dull. The winking at the audience is infuriating. It's too long, of course, <laughs> and it's massively unnecessary. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why this film exists, and it seems strange to me that you spend most of the film ridiculing audiences and executives and the film itself but you've made another film anyway and also it's what that film made your career yeah it's strange yeah um not a good film i did not enjoy my time with this at all yeah i'd like this film a lot more if it was you know better (laughs) um like there's the ideas in here i can kind of almost get behind but what struck me the most is because I, I also went back and watched all the original films as well, which ate up a lot of my film watching budget this month. And I did arguably 
get a bit more out of the um, sequels this time around. No, you can actually watch them back to back into the kind of one film they're always really meant to be, uh, without only the, the whatever it was six months gap, I think, uh, between the cinemas. But what what really struck me in the memory of when that first sequel came out, it wasn't just that that was coming out. It was a real full court press of everything you know, the animatrix stuff was coming out there was the video games were out there as well it was it, i'm pretty sure there was other things like comic books and uh, novels and what that, that kind of stuff as well yeah um, the, the idea of it really seemed to be look at all the stories we can tell in the matrix and as soon as you got past them it's like turns out there's one story you can tell in the matrix <laughs> and it's the first film yeah, and you really should have left it at that. Yeah, really this, this this kind of tries to reboot it in that kind of way. It tries to bring it back. It tries all the meta stuff. Uh, I got more out of that um, the first kind of what, 45 minutes, I guess that might have been. Um, I I kind of liked that. It, it leaned into it too hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were points that really kind of had me grinding my teeth in frustration with it um, mixed with a lot of actually good stuff. I agree that uh, Keanu Reeves is actually great in this film um, certainly all that early stuff and and kind of continues most of the way through it um, it's a good performance it's a solid performance in a kind mm-hmm. of that kind of weird matrix situation uh, that would work. Um, Neil Patrick Harris is a good foil for him as well um, so th- that kind of stuff worked and I really would have rather you stayed in that for a lot longer Mm. Um, because as soon as you get into the quote-unquote real world um, the interest levels fall dramatically Um, the new stuff is yes some of the new characters the actors are fine the characters they're okay Um, but a lot of the the effects work is it's okay, but it's not great. The The action sequences are actually bad. Um, they, they were always going to have a, a bit of a, a rod for their own back because, I mean, like, cultured people like you and I, when we watch the Matrix, go, okay, right, so they've just taken Holly, uh, Hong Kong action stuff and put a mat- the kind of Hollywood filter on it. And that's cool, uh, but it, it, it was so influential in it. Like, now every action film looks like it's very heavily influenced by the Matrix. So uh, returning to it, what you've kind of got is action scenes that have just kind of been surpassed by everything because that kind of action sequence is has been done better in three John Wick films yeah. <laughs> with the same characters, you know what I mean? Um, so it, it felt kind of lacklustre. The new Agent Smith, they just shouldn't have bothered with because he's a complete non-entity and you can't do that role without Hugo Weaving because Hugo yeah. Weaving's so good in it. Yeah, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that just... <laughs> I can kind of see where the ideas were, but the execution just doesn't really add up at all. It goes on too long. You could cut. I think if you cut, if you try to compress the kind of last hour and a half by about I don't know forty minutes or something, this would probably make it into being quite a good film. But it got kind of tedious towards the end, uh, and I was losing interest <laughs> by the second. Um, I don't think it's awful. Um, I don't. I, I wouldn't even tell you that the, the sequels are awful. Having gone back and rewatched them, they're just in such a different league from the <laughs> the first film yeah, that yeah. It, it's very hard to recommend them as, or see them as anything other than a disappointment. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't recommend. I wouldn't steer people away from this film if you're interested in it. But it's it's hard to recommend it. It just doesn't do what it's trying to do well enough to, no. to really recommend it. Yeah. It's- 
it's yet another film which is massively suffering from the the runtime inflation. Mm. I, I'm not going to stop talking about it anytime soon, I think, because it's not stopping, and it, I just don't understand it. So everything just needs to be tightened up. Um, and you could cut out of this film pretty much anything that happens with Jada Pinkett Smith and that whole new human settlement thing. Yeah. Because it adds nothing to the plot. It, it just seems to stall the plot for no reason. Yeah. And it's incredibly tedious and it's like pointless. So, yeah. And that takes up a fair chunk of the running time. Mm. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's weird. I went back myself. I didn't watch The Matrix because I don't need to. <laughs> it's a film I know off by heart. I watched it so much when it um, came out. It came out in DVD. It's it the first DVD I bought, I think. Yeah, it's, it's the one you would buy to test your DVD player, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I watched that a lot. I don't think I'd seen, despite having, you know, I think bought those three times since, because, you know, I'm an <laughs> idiot who should be allowed money. Uh, bought those three times since they came out. Um, I hadn't seen them since I saw them in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same. Yeah. Watching Reloaded, again, the, as, as I recall, the prevailing wisdom at the time was that Reloaded was bad, Revolution was better. It's how I remembered them being. Uh, on a rewatch, it's like, Reloaded's actually the more interesting film, and Revolutions is appalling, and also I didn't remember a single damn thing about it. <laughs> it's so tedious. Uh, yeah, the oldest, oh, the special effects are not particularly impressive in this film. The special effects in The Matrix Reloaded are appalling. They're so poor. I don't... I mean, I... I need to give them a bit of leeway given the age of the film they were they were really pushing the boundaries of what could be done with like that amount of digital actors and action sequences and all that kind of stuff um yes they pushed it too far it wasn't ready um i I don't remember at the time thinking that it was awful but yes uh things like the um burly man fight what are they calling it the the big Multiple Hugo weavings and was it like yeah, that that doesn't look like, quite right. I'll let it go because it's interesting to see. Uh, but yeah, didn't <laughs> needed a few more years to really get that thing sorted out. Yeah, I was referring to that as a playground fight, but the burly man sounds right now. You say it, I'd forgotten that name. But yeah, um, so I don't remember how that was there. I just remember at the time that was like the big deal. Um, yeah. And going back, it's it, not aged like, well. Yeah. Oh God, the digital doubles look as bad as the ones from Blade Two. <laughs> you know, it's, um, but yeah, watching that again, it's like, it, it looks terrible. The digital doubles are awful. All of the people that are meant to be Hugo Weaving are quite clearly not Hugo Weaving. They're all extras. Yes. And they don't look even a tiny bit like him. Um, yes. And then it just it goes on forever, and it looks ugly. And yeah, it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't seem to actually add anything to the film at all. Uh, the story in the second two is pretty bad. Although, actually, on rewatching it, I was making audible involuntary comments about it. Like when you see the how terrible the blues or the green screening is on top of the truck with Lawrence Fishburne. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh no, no, oh no. Um, <laughs> like, kind of really aware that I was speaking. I was like, oh God, that's so bad. <laughs> uh, but there's some more interesting ideas in there. And then. But oh, I don't know. Um, 
What I didn't mean to say about this film is I'm I don't know why they felt the need to do the Merovingian so dirty, um, but seeing him show back up in Resurrections was just a no, a real low point. It's like that's awful, and your character saying awful things that makes me feel like I'm silly for watching this film. Just yeah. go away. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't particularly care for the Merovingian at all. I, in my head, because it'd been so long since I'd seen it, I'd kind of recast him in my head as Vince uh, Vincent Cassel. Yeah, um, I could see. Where but you're that'd be that good because because he's great. Um, hmm. That guy, um, Lombear Wilson, is terrible, <laughs> um, especially in the, in the Matrix Resurrections. Uh, oh. Yeah, can barely understand the word he's saying, and the words I can understand is I'm talking about people with modern mobile phones going beepity boop boop, um, kind of breaking the fourth wall there, and then talking about how he wants a sequel and a spin off. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, God, no. Oh. Teeth-grinding, really was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, what was... Um, very much got away from the more on films, so I'm going to critique these older ones now. But mm-hmm. what I was struck by in the... in Matrix Revolutions, apart from just being incredibly dull, and also Neo defeated Agent Smith at the end because of uh, the actual mechanism for that. Not well explained. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind that so much because anything they've even hinted at explaining a mechanism inside anything to do with the matrix is like nah, doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> like nope, yeah. thermodynamics does not allow the system to exist. So <laughs> I, I don't care that much about it to, uh, yeah. to nitpick it on that level. It's it's not um, really science fiction in the science, hard science kind of way, you know. <laughs> no, but you seem like pay lip service to it. Just like well, he touched them now. He's, anyway, no. Um, and the problem with those two sequels is that. Hugo Weaving, whose character, if you remember, died at the end of The Matrix. It should have stuck with one film, worked really well as one film. He was so iconic. It's such a fun performance. It's the smell. Yeah. So, like, I think they thought, oh, that's a good character. It's a good performance. It's really popular. Let's double down on that. And of what? Let's quadruple down on that. (laughs) And um, then they kept the same character for this one. It's oh, but missed the main point which was the performance yeah because like one thing that kind of frustrated me with in particular with the with matrix resurrection or revolution sorry is that they kind of made neo an idiot <laughs> um it's not suggesting that he's like a genius or anything but he's an idiot because the guy who's playing the character bane in that who's infected by Agent Smith is actually great because he understood uh, understood the whole point of that card in the way he spoke and everything. Um, <laughs> so they have Neil be a complete idiot that this guy's talking to him in the very, very distinctive voice patterns of Agent Smith and mm. saying things only Agent Smith would know and addressing him in a way only Agent Smith would know. Um, and Leo, uh, Leo, Neil's just like completely oblivious. Um, mm. <laughs> at least have the character as like, Okay, I don't understand how this could be in the real world, but at least go, why are you speaking like that? I know that way of speaking, that is familiar to me. Yes. <laughs> um, and then in this one, it's like they take that away completely and then also have them calling him Tom. It was just weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the thinking behind this is. Like, are they trying to make some sort of meta point or just miss the point? Hmm. I, I don't know. It, it doesn't matter in the end because it's not entertaining. Yeah, it's particularly odd given that the character could be excised completely from the film without it really making any difference. It's like he shows up for a Deus Ex back in a save at the end and then leaves. It's like, yeah. okay, 
So I, I have no, no idea why that character's there. It's like, um, he, at one point he says, I, I have to kill you, Neo, um, for me and these exiles to live like the Merovingian. Like, uh-huh. And then apparently that's not the case later for some reason. I don't know why it was the case then. I don't know why it wasn't the case later. I don't know why that character's there other than, I guess, fan service. But if it's going to be somebody not at all like the one the fans would like. Uh, yes. <laughs> which is kind of what makes me think it feels a point because it matches the other um, stuff in there. But at the same time, it's just, it's not good. It's not entertaining. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things that don't work in here. Um, yes. The stuff that really doesn't work, if you cut that out, and the stuff that is a bit flaky, if you tightened up a bit, there's a good film in here. There's a good... There's a good there's a good concept for a film in here, but yeah, just the execution, just no, nowhere near good enough. Um, I don't hate it. I don't regret watching it, but very hard to really recommend with any kind of uh, any kind of full throatiness behind it. No, I, mean, I, I don't regret it. Like I say, I think it may, it's certainly better than Revolutions. I, I did not enjoy that when I watched that at the weekend at all, or mm. um, last week. It's kind of maybe on a par with the rule loaded because I enjoyed that more this time, but it's it's not good. And once again, I just think they should have left it at the Matrix. Yep. It didn't. Yes. Not everything needs a sequel. That should have had one because the sequels haven't been good. Yeah. Yes, thank you very much for your attention. That will wrap us up for today. If you'd like to get in touch with us for these or any other reasons, then please do so. Um, you can do so through email at podcast at fudsonfilm.com, Twitter at fudsonfilm, or facebook.com slash fudsonfilm. And so, until next time, I shall bid you adieu, and I'm sure that Drew will do too. Fairly well. <laughs>